Grab your report and turn with me if you would. If you notice, first is a, uh, um, I do wanna get through this, but we're gonna celebrate some things and I'm gonna challenge you in one or two areas. How many of you know when you go to the doctor for your annual checkup, um, most of the news is good, you're still alive, your eyeballs work, and then they give you some, like here's some things to watch out for and some things to check on. I went for a recent dental visit and they're like, oh, your teeth are in great shape except this one in the back has a crack. And we gotta bore it out with a drill, put a crown on it. So how many of you know bad news is helpful news? Thank you, one person. Bad news, real news is helpful news. And so we got a little bit of real news coming today, but in general, this is a great report. This is something you should be very proud of. So uh, starting with a letter you can read on your own that we wrote to you, but we wanna celebrate lives changed. We always say we're all about changed lives. And so 323 people have said yes to Jesus and followed up with water baptism this year. That's amazing, everybody. Let me just give you context. Most churches in America, average size of a church on a Sunday is 85 people. We baptized four times that many this year. That means that many new people said yes to Jesus. Most churches don't baptize anyone annually except the children of their current members. Most of these are adults and men. And so we're seeing lives change. We're seeing guys come to faith in Jesus. There's just a lot to celebrate here as well. 323 people went public with their confession of Jesus. Your book actually had the wrong number. And so we updated that number for you as well. Uh, Also on this page, you can see that we have an average of 350 volunteers, we call them our dream team, who serve every week to keep this church running. 52 weeks a year, we put on a great Sunday service for you with parking lot, tons of coffee. If you knew how many drips of coffee went through this place, uh, cleaning your bathrooms and also serving on cameras, the worship team, rocking your babies, uh, leading us in worship. Can we thank our dream team, everybody right now? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so amazing that five times the number of people that I started with as this past, six times, as many people that were here when I started now serve on the volunteer team in in a given week. That being the case, this is an area of health that we have to be really honest about. Uh, We see that 309 people completed our Next Steps class, which is our two-week class that we ask every one of you to go through so you can learn the history, vision, values, the theology, some of our main things that we stand for as a church. You learn the financial practices of our church. And the goal of that class is really to help you discover how God's wired you to help you serve your local church, like use your gifts to serve your church. So... Uh, There is a pretty close gap between those that finish the class and those who serve on a team. The problem is, uh, on this page, this is actually a very alarming page to me. In your print version, you notice 1,132 was the original number, and actually that's the amount of people that started but didn't finish. So this is the amount of people that finished. Now, here's why this is an alarming stat. This is a crack in the crown, everybody. You ready? On average, our church attendance is pushing 5,000 a weekend again. Between all four services... And our Austin P campus, uh, not including our online expression. That means less than 10% of our church is running this church. That's a problem. So let me just pastorally push for a second. Um, 
the world has seen what has been called the great resignation. Have y'all been tracking this in culture here lately? People are quitting their jobs, they're quiet quitting their jobs, they're not showing back up to work, and companies all over the place are struggling to find people to come back to work. And honestly, a lot of folks during COVID got spoiled, we were given free money, they preferred working at home, and a lot of people just never came back to work. However, we serve the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of America or this world. And in God's kingdom, every one of you are gifted and every one of you are a part of the body and every one of you has something to offer the rest of your church. The Pareto principle is a, is a leadership axiom where they say 20% of the people do 100% of the work. I don't care what Pareto principle says, God says you're gifted and you are a gift to your church. Paul said every one of you uh, can be used to make a difference. You're all a part of the body. The fact that less than 10% of our attendance runs our church every weekend, this should be alarming to you. Now here's what happens, people say forever, and I'm always real cautious of this. People have said forever, you know, in my last church, I've heard this story so many times, they used us so much, we were burned out, we were just working, working, working all the time. Here's what I know, I don't know a single pastor that has an attitude of I can't wait to overuse and burn people out. I don't know any pastors that that's like their mission, I wanna preach the Bible and overwork volunteers. I'm gonna say something really tough, just take it. I know a ton of Christians who will let people burn out because they refuse to get off their seats and serve other people. So I'm asking all of you to step up in this area of, of unhealth of, of our church. We are healthy in every other area you're gonna see in just a moment. This is an area that's alarming to me and here's why. We have a big future. I'm gonna announce to you in just a second the plans. You're gonna see drawings for a brand new building in the hottest zip code in America, 37042. Hang on, don't clap for that because we don't have any volunteers to go over there and run that church. We, thank you. My girl, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, Jesus. In fact, I'd rather you stay here with that attitude. You know what I'm saying? This is an area of health that we have to check in on. Our whole team has been challenged and commissioned to invite every one of you to join our team. We want you in small groups. We want you going through our Next Steps class to discover God's wiring for your life. And we wanna deploy you into ministry in some way. Listen, do you understand that rocking babies you might be holding the next pastor of this church. You, you might open the door for the biggest giver ever who will pay the check for this whole church to be debt free in Jesus name, hallelujah, come on, glory to God. You might open the door and walk them into their seat. You just never know who you'll serve and who you'll touch by giving your gifts away. Peter said, each one of you is gifted. Each one of you is gifted. And so this is actually the lowest number that we've seen on average as a dream team since even before COVID. We used to run six to 800 on average as a church. So I'm just encouraging you. Some of you have said, well, I'm taking a break. Break's over. And some of you have thought, and this is one of the unintended consequences of being a big church. They don't need me here. We don't need you, we want you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not trying to fill clipboards. We're trying to help you fulfill God's plan for your life. There are ministries we've never started yet because you've not stepped up and said, God's put this ministry in my life. So I wanna encourage all of you, take this as a health check from Dr. Burnett, okay? This area has to grow. And we are committed as leadership team to help it grow. This isn't to judge or make anybody feel guilty or shame. Listen, if you feel arm twisted or guilt from this statement, please hear my heart. I ain't trying to guilt anybody into doing anything. I'm trying to pastor you into green pastures and into the life God's called you to live. 
Amen, everyone? We can do better, all right? Let's get, let's get moving on that. Thank you for that um, sordid clap and one shout out, I'll go. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, let's get to some other great reports. The best thing we do at LifePoint is small groups and this, these are the highest numbers we've ever, ever had. 466 of you over the last year have offered to host or co-host groups. We had 368 on average. Our church was in the 4,000s this year. So we were almost at 10% of our church attendance as the number of groups. And that's actually our goal. So we want whatever the Sunday attendance is on average, we want 10% of that to be the number of groups that we host as a church, which because groups are typically eight to 12 people, 10 people in a small group. So if you're at 5,000, we want 500 small groups. So we're actually, this year, we're running a great small group number, but that means half of our church still, we, we want you to get into a small group. It is the best thing we do. There's testimonies here about small groups. It'll change your life. Hey, let me tell you about our online campus. We are reaching around the world and our online campus currently 2,422 on average each week that tune in. Also this year, we are able to go on 15 missions trips, which is the highest we've ever done. My goal, my vision, for our church is to send a missions trip every week of the year. We'd love to go somewhere in the world 52 times a year. It doesn't all have to be you know, every single week, but we might send 30 at spring break and 15 at fall break and 15 over summer and 10 or 12 at Christmas. Listen, if you wanna not be around in-laws at Christmas, let's go on a missions trip. You're welcome, hallelujah, Jesus needs me. Just, that's so bad, I'm so sorry. I'm just in a mood. Hey, we had three big serve days this year, record numbers there as well. We were participating in 165 projects in our community. Of course, one big disaster relief with the tornadoes in Western Kentucky. Through our serve days, 1,349 of you were serving in our community. Thank you for that as well. We would love to see that many people serving every month at our church as well, not just in our city once a year but in our church. Hey, if you didn't realize this, we are in the Montgomery County jails every week and we're doing prison ministry in Nashville every month and we thank God that we get to serve all these services. Inmates are being changed to the glory of God. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I was at Miss Lucille's. Uh, we're looking at a venue for an event that we have to do coming up and this young man and his wife walked in pushing a stroller and he turns around and he goes, hey, I know you, you're from LifePoint. I was like, yes, I am. And he said, I heard of you and I saw you when I was in the jail and it changed my life. Thank you so much. And he's pushing a stroller with his kid. Come on now. Isn't that awesome, everybody? Our student ministry is continuing to grow. Last month on our Live Different Night, which is our monthly outreach evangelism night, over 400 students and leaders were in our auditorium. Listen, if you have a middle school to high school kid, let, let them be a part of our midweek Wednesday night service. It is a small groups. They'll gather big and then they break out into small groups, age appropriate, gender appropriate. But this summer, we held our first big live different camp in the last three or four years because of all the restrictions and everything. We had 168 kids go to camp and this is all they did the whole time was jump on a blob. Actually, no, they met with Jesus, they prayed, they got really encountered. And our camp lived different this summer, registration is open. Uh, our Austin P campus is growing again, 11 o'clock on Austin P at the Clement Auditorium. And let me just say this, our Austin P campus per capita has one of the strongest volunteer rates. They have a dedicated team. They're like Old Testament tabernacle, y'all. They set up and tear down every single Sunday. And we're so blessed to be on a university campus. I wish every church in town had a campus at or near Austin P. Man, it is making such a difference. Athletes, student athletes, coaches are, are coming to be a part of that and lives are being transformed. People are getting baptized, called into ministry at Austin P. And our young adult gathering on Tuesday nights took off this year, running over 100 at times for our young adult. We're actually renting a church downtown 
to keep it near the university campus to help grow the impact that we're having on campus. So we're, we're meeting every week with our young adults. If you're 18 to 30, you need to be a part of the gathering. I don't care if you're married or single. It doesn't matter. We want you to be there as part of the gathering as well. This year, we cut some, some records. Is that still the word these days, everybody? We've cut some uh, songs, and you can get them on Spotify or Apple Music. Pastor Elmer and his team have written these four songs at least. How many of you love, let's talk about love, let's talk about Jesus. That's one of our songs we put out this year. Yahweh, I mean, just great stuff as well. Of course, our kid point, biggest thing we do. I remember as a new pastor here, I said, the, we'll spend the most money and give the most team to kids because how many of you know the next generation matters and our world is attacking them like crazy and so as a church, we wanna serve them and love them and bless them and pick them up on time if your pastor will get done early, all right. We had 3,490 unique kids come through our kids' ministry last year and listen, we run over 1,000 a weekend. You know, you heard me talking earlier about serving on a dream team. Hey, listen, if you want a place to change the world, serve kids in a kids' ministry at a church. My in-laws, for 26 years, taught Bible quiz and taught kids for 26 years. And they can look back on that season of their life that they invested week in and week out. And there's people that are in ministry, there's people that are serving as professionals and CEOs of companies, and they still are rooted in the discipleship that they learned from just an older couple walking with them through Bible quiz all those years. Hey men, look at me, fellas. I would love it for you to man up and serve the next generation. Get in there and let them puke on you and roll around on the floor with you, rock some babies, be security in kid point, whatever you wanna do. Our next generation needs to see strong men who love God and who love their church. And we would love for you to be a part of that. We had 232 foster kids that we were able to bless with our toy drive this year at Christmas and 85 kids dedicated to Jesus through our uh, bi-monthly baby dedications. I wanna give you a, a, a snapshot on the numbers of our church, the financial numbers here. And this is something that we've always said for years. You can always ask whatever you want. We, we have a, a great team, a CFO who's a brilliant leader in our church and a brilliant mind as well as our bookkeeper, our treasurer. We have a whole team that, that manages the numbers of our church and uh, we're held accountable to a very, very, very wise and character-driven board of trustees. Let me just tell you how the generosity of your church looked this year. Uh, first of all, for the first time ever, your church broke $8 million in, in general fund giving uh, ever. And that's never, just for some context, 12 and a half years ago when I became pastor, the entire 2010 income was $80,000. So in 12 years to go from 80,000 to 8,300,000 is just unbelievable and amazing. Praise God for that. Thank you for being a generous church. Now, I wanna tell you how we, manage and steward the money here. First of all, you notice the expense line. I feel like a weather person, you know, like, thanks a lot, Bill. Here we go. <laughs> the expense line of our income, you notice is quite a bit lower than here and the balance is what we save. And by the way, we have always, we, we do always live on less than what comes in and we do that on purpose for a number of reasons. One, we wanna save for emergencies, we wanna save for the future. We're about to go into a full-on church-wide building program and we wanna have cash to pay for this and we don't wanna be in debt forever. Can I hear an amen, church? So we're saving specifically because we have a lot of things ahead of us as a church, but you'll notice the expense line or the budget is different than the income of the church. And the way we do this every year is whatever comes in in a year to write the budget for the next year, and I encourage all of you to do this for your family. We write a budget next year of 90% of last year's income. So you'll see in 2022, 8.3 million came in. 
So that means in 2023, we'll write a budget for 90% of that number, which means 830 automatically on the top goes into savings or goes into um, expenses that, that may not be foreseen. For example, right now we're having to deal with some roof issues. We've got some HVAC units that will need to be replaced. And I have committed to you to never run this church on brownie bake sales or pleading with you to help fix things that we should have just saved for in the meantime, right? So we do one time of giving and tithes and offerings a week and we're gonna live on less than we make and we build a budget of 90% of last year and that keeps us wise and in the margins. And by the way, we have a great team of financial people. My job's preaching, their jobs keep the numbers right. I always joke our, our treasurers keep me out of prison. Amen, everyone, aren't you glad? You don't have orange jumpsuit pastor doing the prison ministry from the inside. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Just me on a little Zoom camera. Today I'm coming to you from Montgomery County Jail. I would do it though. Me and you, we're gonna change the world from right there. She's going with me. Is that joke inappropriate? I just never know where y'all are at in this whole scope of like, that's too far, I got a cousin. Anyway, stay with me. Hey, but let me show you the chart because some of you are numbers people, some of you are graphs and charts people. Uh, this church staff is amazing. They run the ministry of this church at 12%, which is unheard of. They do everything and they do it with excellence and they do it on time and they do it with high class and, and without being bougie. Come on, everybody. So our team runs our church on 12%. Can we just applaud our pastoral staff and our directors for doing a great job of running our church at 12%. Our operating costs, which is our staffing and all of our uh, insurances and the taxes that we do pay. People think churches pay no taxes. We pay a ton of taxes anyway. Um, but our operating expenses, salary, payroll, all that stuff is at 40%. Our building, our hard costs on our building is 19%. And that's at this location. We have some rent at our Austin P or some facility costs there or at other locations. But uh, our, our goal one day is to be debt-free on our building. Can you hear it? Say amen, everybody. We've saved 16% this year, which we were able to do and we need to do as we look into our next building project. And of course, I always say we give 10% of the income of this church away. Actually, we gave 14% uh, of the budget away, uh, which is better than 10%. How many of you know it's fun to give tithes and offerings? And so we we're able to do that. In fact, we did even more. Uh, but let me show you this one number at the top. You may not have noticed $1.1 million was in debt reduction this year as well. So can we celebrate? We will get out of debt one day, everybody. So six years ago, six years ago, we moved into our Rossview building with a little over $9 million in debt. And as of today, our debt balance is right at $3 million. So we've paid essentially a million dollars of principal off every year for the last six years, and we praise God for that. Now we're starting to, uh, we're, we're looking forward into our next building program, which our goal is to raise all of the money for that in three years to be debt-free after three years on that location, eliminate the debt at Rossview. We wanna be a debt-free church, everybody. Do you agree with that? Praise God. Okay, well, here's where the money stuff gets even more fun. So that's the chart, and for all the chart nerds and whatever number people, this is fun, right? We're up, we're doing good, we're in a healthy spot. We were able to save 1.3 million, we paid off a million on our building, and we were able to do ministry, we didn't say no to anything that God needed us to do, and then we wanna look at our missions giving. Our goal is 10% that we give to church planters, missionaries in the US, in Clarksville, around the world. We help with disaster relief, benevolence. We have families in our church that have crises in need and we're able to give and sponsor and help and bless. Well, what we budgeted uh, versus what we did. If you remember, I said we did 14%. So that ended up being $1.16 million that we gave away out of the budget of our church. And again, 
That is phenomenal in itself. Then on top of what we gave out of our budget, another 888,000 came as passed through money. So if you remember in January, we did one day, uh, uh, 21 days of fasting with water. That was 157,000. Then in August, we do one day to feed the world. That's 126. Those dollars don't hit the budget. It's just pass-through money. We did a big offering to give for disaster relief, Western Kentucky tornadoes. We helped buy cars and build houses for families in Western Kentucky and Mayfield. Folks that have never seen your face or heard of us, but man, God came through and provided for them in a major way through your generosity. We gave to Ukraine relief. We gave legacy projects. Another $888,000 came through the church, undesignated, or excuse me, un not on the budget, that gave us a total giving of 2,052,431. That is 22% of the income of this church that we gave away. And here's how we give at LifePoint. We give with no strings attached. We don't say, well, you owe us now from now on. You better start coming and like bring your kids. We give no strings attached, no requirements of payback ever. We don't believe in loaning money. We give. And man, I just wanna thank you for an incredibly generous year. If you actually add this number of additional pass-through money to that number of 8.3, the real money, the real income of the church was just under $9.2 million and over two million of it was given away to be a blessing to others in need. Can we celebrate that today one more time, everybody? Just thank the Lord, thank God for that. And I wanna thank our CFO and our team that just do an amazing job of keeping us in lane of being a generous church. It's one of the high values that we have at LightPoint Church is to be generous. Finally, I want you to see what's coming. Fox News just released and CNN just released and MSNBC just released that 37042 is the hottest zip code in America to move into. Well, during the pandemic, God put it on our hearts. It was very clear to buy land right on Tiny Town Road. If you're familiar with Tiny Town Road, it is blowing up with residences and neighborhoods. In fact, it'll be the most densely populated, basically neighborhood area of our city. Any of you live near Fort Campbell or exit one area now? Come on, you drive right past where I'm talking about. There's an F&M bank and then a giant field. And two and a half years ago, we paid cash for 12 acres behind that F&M bank. And now the rest of that field is gonna be six or 800 homes and apartment units. An entire village is gonna move in right next door to our brand new tiny town campus that we're gonna build from the ground up and own forever. Our goal is to build it and pay for it over the next three years. A plan is coming at Easter. Look at this amazing room, everybody. 800 seat auditorium. And we're building the church for those who haven't even come yet. Listen to this, think about it. There are soldiers who are enlisting this week that will get stationed at Campbell in three years and they don't even know we're thinking about and praying for them. There are babies that haven't been built yet that are gonna be dedicated in this auditorium. There are young men and women who will be called of God into ministry and missions to serve the world through the building that we're trying to build for them. This building isn't sacred, but what God will do there is absolutely life-changing for eternity. And we get to be a part of seeing this happen. Check out this awesome lobby. I can't wait to walk around in this place. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? There's a lot more to come. Easter will announce it to our, our, our Easter crowd and then our plans to pay for it and to start building. Our goal is to build this fall, break ground together. We've got a bright future ahead of us as a church. This is some great news. Can we thank God today for our annual report? Come on, let's lift our voice to Jesus. Father, we love you. 
We're grateful for the numbers here, God. We're grateful for the health report, God. We're thankful, God, for the finance, financial picture. We're thankful for the health of, of our small groups, Lord. We see and we hear the need to grow our teams and the need for our church to step into their God assignment and their gifts as the body of Christ. Lord, would you move in all of our hearts to give our gifts back to our church and to give our, our talents and our abilities and to give an hour and a half a week more to serve God by serving others. But Lord, we've heard this report and we receive it in Jesus' name and we say, God, may you get all the credit. We wanna honor those that have had a part to play, but Lord, we wanna glorify you more than all things, more than anyone else for what you are doing to build your church. Your word says that this is your church. You would build your church. And God, we are so excited to be a part of it. Bless our awesome P campus, our next generation ministry, God, kid points, students, young adults. God, we thank you, thank you, thank you that we are a church that's alive and moving. God, we pray for everyone to be that's saved this year and baptized this year and called to serve God faithfully this year. Would you let us be a church that anticipates their coming and that is on mission with you to see them change to the glory of God in Jesus' name, amen. Do you accept this report today, LifePoint? Praise God. We do have some work to do, but how many of you know it's fun to do this kind of work, right, everybody? Thank you, one person. I, uh, I'm just gonna encourage myself. You and me, we're gonna go for it, all right. Hey, I want, to, uh, I want to continue the book of Acts, chapter 24. And honestly, coming out of this report, it's such an encouraging report. Our overseers, our, my pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges, I mean, I just want you to know that the leadership of this church is so proud of you and thankful to God for what he has done through us and with us. And that's the thing, it's not just my report, it's our report, this is our church. And I'm just thankful for, for what God has done with us and, and I, it, it helps me just coming out of this, into this message in Acts 24. We're just a few weeks away from finishing our Book of Acts series. Uh, we'll land the plane at the end of March. But, but I'm titling the message today, just keep your focus on faithfulness. Keep your focus on being faithful to God, faithful to his word and, and being focused on being a faithful, faithful person. I remember 12 and a half years ago when I moved here, my wife and I came to take over this little church and we had you know, less than 100 people, a lot of debt, and it was just a lot to do. And I just remember uh, asking the Lord often, Lord, please grow your church here, help us to be healthy, generous, vibrant. And I, I remember how tempting it was to try to do everything that every other big church was doing or to do everything that others were doing to try to keep up with them or to get the same results. I remember thinking, well, that church does these programs, maybe we should do them, and this church has this kind of music and maybe we should do it. I was trying to get my T.D. Jakes preaching voice on because that guy has a huge crowd or my Joel Osteen smiling jokes and blinks and mullet and I just couldn't figure out, like I had to land in my own voice. But I was so tempted, was that too far? That was good. I, had to, I was tempted to like, do what others were doing and it was making me feel so overwhelmed and busy. And over and over though, I, I would feel convicted by God. What I've asked them to do, I've not asked you to do. And everything they do is not everything you have to do. I read a great book by a guy named Eric Geiger called Simple Church. And I remember the Lord challenging me early on as pastor here to do a few things and do them really well. Honestly, a simple approach has been the key to I think LifePoint being focused and staying lean and healthy and has positioned us for, for where God has us now. We've been focused and faithful to be the kind of church where anyone can come and have their lives wrecked by Jesus. 
People have asked for years, you know, does this kind of person allowed at your church or is that kind of person allowed at your church? I go, it's Jesus' church. First of all, anyone's welcome to come and let God wreck their lives. Can I hear an amen, everybody? We've been focused and faithful to elevate the Bible over my own voice and to preach it as it's written and let God's word sometimes punch us in the face and encourage us and challenge us and change us. We've been focused and faithful to have a simple mission. It's built on the great commission of God. Our mission is to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. We're not here to make programs. We're not here to run, build a church. We're here to build, we're not here to build a brand, rather. We're here to build people to follow Jesus faithfully. And we do that through four simple steps. Sunday services, small groups, our next steps, class, and getting served on a dream team. As you've heard in the report today, our Sundays are up, our small groups are up, our next steps in our dream team has some room to grow, but that's the simple steps and the vision of our church. We've been focused and faithful to be generous, to be a church who pursues and welcomes and desires diversity. Can I hear an amen, everybody? To have fun and choose joy, to love God and love people. I could go on and on bragging on you guys as a church, but I really believe life is better and easier when we're focused, when we're faithful, when we're simple. Can all the old people in the room just agree with me for just a second? Y'all hear what I'm, I'm in my 40s. So listen, if you're under your 40s, just hush for a second. If you never had a cassette Walkman, don't say anything, just listen. If you never had headphones with foam, y'all hear what I'm saying? And a, and a repeat switch that kept your Brian McKnight playing, you know, just hush your mouth for a second. If you never had to put a tape in the car, just don't talk, just listen. For all of us older folks in the room, have you noticed the older you get, the simpler you want your life to be? Have you noticed the older you get, the more boring you are? Like I've just found my, my life, I, in my 20s, I just wanted to conquer the world. In my 40s, I just want to sleep. Like, I just, you know what I'm saying? I just want to do less, better. Have you noticed you eat the same like eight meals every week? I mean, you go on walmart.com to fill up your cart and they go, you need more cottage cheese, Margaret? Like they just know. More pickled herring this week, Bill? Like what in the world? And why do we eat old people food all of a sudden? Okra is like a staple in my diet all of a sudden. The older I get, the simpler my life has become. And I think the same should be true in your walk with Jesus. The longer you know God, the more focused it should be on him and what's true and what matters don't try to solve all the world's problems. Just try to obey Jesus well and follow him faithfully. What if you and I would commit to living focused and faithful to Jesus this year? Living faithful and focused with our family this year. Man, I'm gonna turn off those screens. I'm gonna plan a vacation. I'm gonna be faithful and focused on building my kids and, and building my marriage and growing in character with God. What if we commit to being focused and faithful in our celibacy or our singleness if we're there and we're committed to living focused and faithful as a generous person and we, we budget for giving and we, we plan to serve. We just grow focused and faithful and that's how I see the Apostle Paul. Under pressure, as his life progresses, it seems like his passions get tighter. For some of us, we say things like, well, I'll be focused on the Lord when I get these things figured out. I'll be faithful to give once I get to a certain financial status. Or I'll be focused and faithful once I get married or get my boo or get this stuff figured out. Or I finish college and I get that degree and I get to this stage of life, then I'll be focused and faithful. Look at me, I wanna tell you some old man wisdom, ready? You will never be faithful then if you won't be faithful now. Never, never. It's what, it's the, the life you want then is a life you have to build now. 
And if you think for a second, you're gonna automatically flip a faithful switch because you finally got that promotion or you finally found that person to spend the rest of your life with or you finally finished that degree, that's not how it works. One of my best friends is a great business leader here named Leo. And Leo's built an amazing company and business and, and life. And one of the things I've heard him say, if I've heard it once, it's a thousand times. He says, people will ask him, they'll say, man, I wish I had what your resources so that I could do what you do. He said, the problem is I was doing it when I had nothing. And the reason I can do things now and do things at the scale I'm at now is because I did it when I had nothing. Can I challenge us as a church to build the life we want to have, start building it today. Don't wait for circumstances to improve or change. Look at your life and say, God, am I living faithful and focused on Jesus? Am I, am I faithful and focused in my giving and my serving and my family and the things that matter to God? And the older I get, I don't wanna conquer the world. I wanna conquer me. And I wanna live faithful to God for my kids and my wife and for you as a pastor. Don't wait for a later season to build your faithful life. Be focused on it now. Paul had this personality in him. No matter what happened to him, no matter how hard the pressure was, no matter how difficult the moments of pain were, Paul was faithful right where he was. And by this point in the book of Acts, I feel like we're looping through a repeat of Paul's problems. Have you noticed that? Like, here he is arrested again. Here he is thrown in prison again. Here he is falsely accused again. But Paul has this attitude of faithfulness and focus. And one of the ways he does it is he keeps things real simple. He keeps his messaging simple. He keeps what he has to say simple. Every time he gets in front of a new uh, 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 high official or magistrate or judge or governor, he says less actually. And he's, he's focusing in on the messaging that he has in his life. And watch this. So, so we're gonna catch up and, and we're kind of repeating a lot of the pattern for Paul. But, but if you remember last week, he's put in custody again and Felix the governor has an accurate knowledge of the way of Jesus. This is uh, Acts 24 verse 22. And he puts off those that are trying to kill Paul. And he says, hey, when, when the tribune comes down, I'll decide your case. And he orders the centurion that Paul should be kept in custody and have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented. So Paul has favor, even though he doesn't have freedom. He's got favor because he's been faithful to God. And then it says in verse 24, after some days, Felix, who's the governor of this community, of this area, of this part of the nation, he came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, which is interesting that Luke makes a comment about her faith tradition. Felix would not have been Jewish, but Drusilla, he married a Jewish woman. And the reason that's important is because she would have a natural curiosity about this Jewish man named Paul and what he's preaching in this Jewish Messiah he's, he's talking about. So Felix and his wife, Drusilla, she's Jewish. They sent for Paul and they wanted to hear him speak about faith in Jesus Christ. And then verse 25 shows us something really simple about Paul's messaging. As he, Paul, reasoned with them, he reasoned about righteousness self-control, and the coming judgment. I want you to underline these three things, or if you're taking notes, write these three things down. Paul reasoned with Felix, the governor, his Jewish wife, about three things, righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. And when Felix heard it, he was alarmed, and he said, go away for now. Get out, I like it just messed with him. He said, go away from the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll summon you. The next verse says that Felix was hoping that Paul would pay him some money, bribery, and then he sent for him often and conversed with Paul a lot. In fact, verse 27 says, when two years had elapsed. So Felix decides, I'm gonna keep Paul in prison even though he's been wrongfully accused, he's never been found guilty. Now Paul's assignment is to be Felix's personal prisoner to talk to him about Jesus. How many of you like that prison assignment? 
But Paul had a very simple standard of messaging. And he talked about three basic things. And honestly, these are the main things and they need to be the main things for us as well. He's been wrongly imprisoned, wrongly accused, under threat of death by the politicians, by the religious officials. He's been beaten, mistreated, moved into hiding, held against his will. And now the governor says, I need to keep you as my personal prisoner because my wife and I wanna talk about Jesus with you. And as we read in the text, Paul is willing to keep his message very centered on three basic things, righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. Notice Paul didn't get spun up about national politics, the latest social media craze, the latest woke theology or doctrines, some political battle. He didn't spend his time trying to settle the debate between Calvinists and Arminians. He didn't try to rightly discern what the strange passages in the book of Revelation are all about. Paul kept main things, plain things. He talked about righteousness, self-control, and coming judgment. What does that have to do with the gospel? Let me just unpack these three things for you. First of all, righteousness in Christ. Every human on earth needs to hear this. Listen to me. No one is right on their own. No one is good enough without Jesus. No one passes the judgment of, Christ, of God without the blood of Jesus Christ applied to their lives. Nobody. I don't care if you're Gandhi, if you're any great leader. I don't care if you're a president, if you have like saved the whole world uh, from, from calamity. It doesn't matter how good your life looks on paper. No one is righteous, even Felix the governor, without the blood of Jesus on your life. Nobody. Nobody is righteous. Nobody. Jesus would say, no one comes to the Father except through me. So what Paul is teaching is the only way to have right standing with God, the only way to have rightness with God, the only way to be seen as righteous before a holy God is to be found by faith in Jesus Christ. No one is a son of God without being a believer in and a follower of Jesus. No one is a daughter of God without being a believer in and a follower of Jesus. There is no sainthood without Jesus on your life. So when Paul is teaching Felix and Drusilla about righteousness, Drusilla's looking at the law, Felix would be looking at his standing as a politician, and Paul would say, you're not righteous without Jesus. Every person on the planet needs to hear this. There is no salvation apart from Christ. I didn't write that. Jesus said it first. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We believe that at LifePoint Church. Can I hear an amen? There's no right standing. There's no righteousness. Listen, Paul would say in other texts, you are the righteousness of God because Jesus has saved you. We never behave well enough. Have you noticed? We never get our act together well enough. Have you figured that out yet? And I don't care what you grew up in. I don't care how faithful you are at attending. You need to be faithful in knowing Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. By the way, we all struggle with this. We love Jesus as Savior. I don't really like him as Lord because I like to be Lord. I like to be the one in charge. That's why Paul's next step is you can have self-control as a follower of Christ. As a follower of Jesus, every believer has the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of us. Can I tell you, in this part of the country especially, man, the, the stronghold, we're so afraid of the Holy Spirit. You're not saved without the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and you can't be changed until the Holy Spirit changes you from the inside. Paul would say the fruit or the evidence of the Spirit in you is you can live a Spirit-led, self-controlled, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control kind of life. You don't have to live. This is what he's telling Felix and Drusilla. 
You guys don't have to live according to your impulses. You don't have to live according to your upbringing. You don't have to live according to your culture, your skin tone, your, your baggage, or your pain. You can live according to the spirit that lives on the inside of you. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You say, well, I wasn't raised that way. Well, you got a new daddy. You say, well, I, wasn't, I was born this way. Well, get born again. You say, well, I was raised with a family of racists. Well, you need to get delivered from that family and know that your father in heaven ain't a racist. You need to learn that the spirit can live on the inside, does live on the inside of you, and you can live self-controlled, not by your impulses, not by your sin, not by your baggage. Listen, you and I get to live holy lives, not to impress God, but because God is pressed into us. The flesh Felix doesn't have to dominate you. Murderous thoughts and sexual immorality, greed, hypocrisy, lying, none of that is who you are because you're righteous in Christ and the spirit helps you live self-controlled. Hear me, folks, this is a major part of what we believe as Christians. When Jesus saves you, you're righteous, then the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. This is why you need to pray every day, Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, direct me. It's hard to sin in your prayer closet, isn't it, everybody? It's hard to sin with the Holy Ghost help. This is a main thing. It's a simple thing. Paul has an audience with the leader, and he goes, you need to get saved, and you need to be changed. And then he says, and there's a judgment coming for everyone. You would think Felix would, say, would think, who would judge me but Caesar? And Paul would go, God will judge you. Hey, can I just be real blunt with you guys in the last two minutes of my sermon? I've been in ministry for a long time, 20 plus years, and I've done a lot of funerals. Here's one thing I know. No human has escaped their own funeral. And the Bible says in Hebrews 6, it is appointed for every person to die and then face God's judgment. Listen to me. I think in the Christian world, we've gotten so fluffy and, and happy about how good God's been to us, we forget that there is a coming judgment for everyone, every Christian and every non-Christian. You go, well, I don't believe in that. Your lack of belief doesn't change the truth of who God is. I don't know if you know that or not. Like, you don't get to tell God what he gets to be. And there is a coming judgment, Hebrews says, for every person. The night I gave my life to Jesus... The question they asked me very clearly, I'll never forget it, my, my senior year of high school, they said, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And I knew I would bust hell wide open. I went to an event and they said, well, they just scared you. That's not real. Yeah, they scared the hell right out of me. <laughs> Can I just tell all of you, church, you're not righteous apart from Jesus. I don't care who you are. There's no way to have self-control apart from the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And every person needs to realize there is a coming judgment. And if you've said yes to Jesus, it's gonna be a great conversation. And if you haven't, Felix and Drusilla and anyone else in our world, then the judgment of God is a very scary place. This is why Paul's messaging was so simple. You need Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit, and you will face the judgment of God. But all of the wrath of God, all of the judgment of God, he bore it himself. We have this bad attitude that God was like this abusive dad to Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus was God and said, I'll take my own consequence for them. And I'll receive judgment for them. And listen to me, church. I need every one of you to hear this same thing. Whatever audience God's giving you, keep a simple message in your life. 
You can live for Jesus. You can live a spirit-led, disciplined life. And we wanna live in a way that pleases God. Here's the thing. I wanna live in a way that the judge is pleased to judge me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Can I hear an amen from the church, everybody? Listen, I wanna challenge you with the last thought. Now, chapter 25 is Paul in this cycle and he's two years in prison, and he's having to deal with Festus, the new governor, and then uh, Agrippa, who's the grandson of Herod the Great, who was instrumental in the crucifixion of Jesus. And he gets an audience with Agrippa. And Paul is now cycled back into prison with a new governor and new leaders. But Paul never got discouraged, never got discouraged in his faithfulness to Jesus. Sometimes we wanna throw in the towel and we wanna tell God, we wanna say, man, I've been trying for so long to serve you. But Paul was recycled through another leader and another acquisition or uh, excuse me, another set of accusations. Paul stayed faithful to God, faithful to his messaging. In fact, some scholars have suggested that Paul wrote two of his prison epistles in this Caesarean prison during these two years. He talked to Felix and Drusilla about Jesus. He would have told everybody. And listen, his prison didn't keep him from his purpose to serve God. His circumstance didn't keep him from being significant and faithful towards the kingdom of God. Finally, uh, Galatians 6 says, don't grow weary of doing good because in due season, we'll reap if we don't give up. The final thing I wanna challenge you with in this text, man, I've got so much more to preach, but I'm out of time. Can we just stay focused then on those three things and be faithful to those three things that there is a God who calls us to live for him named Jesus. And we can live a spirit-led life, church. Listen, don't try to live Christianity in your own strength, but live a spirit-led life full of the Holy Spirit and know that there is a judgment coming. And for those of us who love Jesus, it's not a fearful thing, it's a joyful thing. It's a good report. It's a well done, good and faithful. Finally, what we see with the Apostle Paul is all of that prison time and all those beatings and all of that stuff showed God's purpose. And the Lord had a purpose for that because Paul would then speak to Herod Agrippa, which is the great-grandson or the grandson of Herod the Great. And I just can't imagine the Apostle Paul now having an audience with the grandson of the man who had a hand in crucifying his own master, his own savior. Some of us look at people's lives and we go, well, their whole, all the generations following them, they're, they're, they're washed up, they're nothing, they're nobodies. But God would give Paul the opportunity to speak to Herod Agrippa to say, the man your grandfather helped crucify is the man who now wants to save your eternal life. Man, there's purpose in God's plan for us and it will prevail. He said to Agrippa, Agrippa says to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. And Paul says this, I consider myself fortunate that to you, my king, I am able to make a defense with all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you're familiar with all of our customs and controversies. Look what Paul says to Herod Agrippa. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. I don't know what you're going through, what you feel recycled through or why you're waiting on God. Maybe you're at a place like David in Psalm 13 who says, will you forget me forever, oh God? But I wanna challenge you, church. Stay focused on faithfulness before the Lord. Let the Lord have his purpose in you. Let his purpose prevail in your life. And listen, stay focused on your love for Jesus, your prayer life, your devotion to his word. There will come a day when what God is bringing you through will make sense to you too. The reason you're walking through pain, God won't waste it. And then commit this, no matter what happens, you'll consider it most fortunate that you get to stay on mission with God. You get to stay focused in living for God, standing for God, giving generously for God, serving God's house. Don't lose hope. 
that feeling of prison or pain that you're walking through might be the place where God's doing some of his greatest shaping and preparation in your life. Amen, everybody. Hey, LifePoint, would you stay focused on Jesus? Let this be the year that we focus on our faithfulness to him as we celebrate a great year of God's faithfulness and your faithfulness. Let's not stop there. Let's not get settled and go, well, that was great. Let's coast. Let's stay focused on Jesus and our faithfulness to him. Lord, would you help us hear this word? Help us, Lord God, to be transformed by the preaching of the gospel and the preaching of this word. Lord, with so much to celebrate, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would push us to keep going forward in our faithfulness to you, Lord God. Help us to hear the word of God and the story of the Apostle Paul and be motivated and inspired to live in a way that pleases you, to live in a way that honors you, to live in a way that makes much of Jesus in the gospel. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that we would we would know the righteousness that comes with Christ. God, we would know the life of being spirit-filled and spirit-led. That God, we would find self-control and discipline. Help us to overcome sin, evil, and wickedness that dwells in every man's heart because the spirit dwells stronger. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the coming judgment will be a, a great day for the son and daughter of God. And I pray that there's anyone in this room or anyone listening to this message who's not sure where they stand with Jesus that we would shore that up today and find our righteousness in him alone. Would you pray this with me? Come on, everybody in the room, just open your hands to the Lord and say, God, I've heard your word. I receive what I've heard. I hear it by faith, and I wanna apply my life to the teachings of the gospel. Help me, Lord Jesus, to live in a way that pleases you at all times. Say, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin, that I can live forever. I receive your salvation. I ask for your forgiveness, and I receive it by faith. In Jesus' name, say, God, I'm all in. Say it again. Say, God, I'm all in for your church, for your kingdom come, your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Life point. Come on, everybody.